Hi, I'm Gerd Hundle, acclaimed health journalist, turned motivational speaker, and transformational coach. This show is for anyone who wants to lead a happier, healthier, and inspired life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can become a soul warrior. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Inspired with Gerds podcast. I'm your host and today I have a special guest with me who's helping women to embrace all of who they are. Megan Hill is a retired psychotherapist and relationship coach for women and couples. She teaches women that they can be both wild and holy and teaches couples how to create healthy, life-shifting and soul-affirming love. She's the podcast host of The Enoughness Revolution, a conversation on cultivating deep worthiness to create the life you deserve. She's also the creator of Wild and Holy Weekend, a biannual retreat for women who are ready to release their non-truth, reclaim their real truths and their fullest expression in the world. She understands how to be enough just as who you are. Megan, it's an absolute pleasure having you on my show and thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Bless you. I'm really interested in the work that you do, Megan. So could you tell the listeners what your life was like before you became a relationship coach for women? Sure. So my past life was uh, being a psychotherapist. So I had a private therapy practice where I saw men and women and couples and individuals where I was really helping them live a more authentic life to decrease their overall feelings of unhappiness or even anxiety of just feeling like they weren't living true to who they were. So I started noticing that a lot of my clients, when we really got into the work, the reasons they were feeling the way that they were is because they were living by somebody else's rules. Mm -hmm. So I started getting curious if other people might be experiencing the same thing. And it was really shifting the way they were relating to themselves and relating to other people. And so I kind of started following my curiosity and that led to coaching, which is what I do now. And that's had several evolutions since I first began. Amazing. And so would you say that a lot of the people that you were seeing, is it linked to the kind of like childhood past issues that kind of come up in their relationships? Yes and no. Um, I think that we very much carry blueprints for what we think about love and what we think about worthiness based on stories that we create when we're children, based on who we think we need to be or what we think we need to do in order to be loved or to belong. And a lot of the times, if we never go back and challenge any of those early beliefs, we can be letting kind of this inner child ruling the way that we show up in our relationships. We can hustle for our worthiness, not realizing that we're already enough. And we can actually be kind of manifesting some toxic relationship patterns that we've picked up from the people around us. So I think it's really important to do some self-examination of looking at what you've been taught about love, what you've been taught about boundaries, what you've been taught about communication, what you've been taught about having needs or people pleasing or any of these things and how they relate to your relationships now. Hmm. That's quite interesting. Yeah, that's that's very true, actually, because when I look back at um, my own kind of personal relationships, it was you're right. It wasn't just it wasn't just my childhood. It was people around me. And if I saw toxic relationships, I would see that as kind of almost like that was normal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think 
think that's the thing. Um, you know, when we are so used to relationship patterns, we just expect it like that is the normal. And so when we find ourselves in a relationship dynamic that is different and even like a healthy one, sometimes we can be like, is something wrong with this? Because this isn't like the normal relationships I'm used to. And that's exactly how it was when I met my husband. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess you can keep creating those patterns again and again until you don't see that there actually is a pattern and why you're attracting them. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. So what was it that attracted you to do become a relationship coach? Well, before I really was focusing on relationships, I was focusing on enoughness, which is my kind of word for worthiness. And what I realized is that a lot of the women that were coming to me were having relationship issues because of an issue with enoughness. And so I started to notice that there was like a relationship here, right, between worthiness and the types of relationships that we create for ourselves. And there's a really strong correlation between the relationship that we have with ourselves and the ones that we're creating outside of ourselves. So what kind of just naturally evolved was me looking at this, you know, connection between working on enoughness, working on worthiness, helping women cultivate a better relationship with themselves that ended up translating into better relationships with their partners. But then I started thinking like, you know what would be really cool is to start working with couples on some of this stuff (laughs) and to start really talking about how enoughness impacts our relationships because this is how a lot of my clients were coming to me in the first place and I totally wasn't even addressing it. So I think it's important to kind of be a little bit more Um, forward or direct in how enoughness works in our relationships with ourselves and relationships with other people because relationships are so incredibly important for us creating a fulfilling life and relationships it's not just our partners is it it's every kind of relationship we can have with our work colleagues our family our friends absolutely and I work on relationships with my clients like all kinds so some of them come to me for help with the romantic partnerships some of them come with to me for help with their family relationships siblings, friendships, having better boundaries at work. I mean, all of this stuff is all under the umbrella of relationships. So it's, it's super fun. It's very dynamic. I absolutely love getting in, like just understanding the inner dynamics that are going on because it's not just like what we're doing. It's also what somebody else is doing too and how we're interpreting that. Hmm. Why, why do you think it is that women tend to suffer with um, a lack of worthiness more than men? You know, I don't necessarily know if women suffer more than men. I think that we're more vocal about it because it's safer for us to be. Um, Mm. To talk about a lack of worthiness or a lack of enoughness for men is usually pretty vulnerable. But I also do think that there's different pressures on women than there are men to be this perfect ideal. And a lot of us carry a lot of those messages of how we think we're supposed to look, how we think we're supposed to act, like what being a lady means, what being polite means, what being a good girl means. And a lot of this stuff really serves to stifle our self-expression than to give us freedom to be who we are. So that's kind of what I've noticed from the feminine perspective on this is that we are just bombarded with images and messages on a daily basis, like hundreds of times a day of how our life is supposed to look and how we're supposed to look in it. And when we don't measure up to that, that's prime time for those voices of not enough to come knocking, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I guess when we're, you know, the moment we're born as well, it's kind of almost dictated in what clothes that we should wear. So like for girls, it should be pink and for blue, it should be boys. And so we're almost creating that, that kind of separation of, 
of how, like you said, how we should behave. From you're right, yeah. I still remember as a kid, yeah. You, you can't wear this because it's a boy thing to do, or you can't do that because that's a boy thing to do. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's all these gender norms that are going on. There's cultural context that's going on. There's religious context going on. There's even just like from a society perspective, like even like from the U.S., for instance, like this is a very patriarchal culture. This is Mm. a predominantly Christian culture, even though we're a melting pot of all different kinds of religions, right? So that definitely has an impact on the overall societal beliefs of what a woman is supposed to be. So I find it completely fascinating to just tease all this stuff apart and just pull layer after layer to really get to the truth of who you are and who you want to be when you remove all of those pressures and all those rules. And I don't know if it's possible to get to the like bare bones of this because I'm still going through it. I mean, there's just a lot of layers, you know, but I think doing the work itself is so gratifying because with each layer you release, you become a truer representation of who you are. And with truth, there is freedom. Absolutely. And I guess it's almost like going back to that, that baby when you've just been born and just being that vulnerable and you're just being yourself because that's all you kind of know don't you (laughs) well yeah I mean there's that quote that says you know remember who you were before the world told you who to be Mm. and I think that that's such a powerful philosophy of really getting back to who you were before you felt pressured to be anybody different love it yeah yeah absolutely so true yeah being actually from I don't know if you know I'm actually from an Indian background and there's always Mm -hmm. pressures of like you need to be married at this age but it's not necessarily family close family it's other people within society and their beliefs in how old you should be when you get married or how you should behave and I had to do a lot of unplugging (laughs) it it was interesting five years ago how I I looked from within and realized that none of that stuff mattered all that mattered was me being happy and me being myself and me just living a life on my own terms yes I mean what a great permission you gave yourself to unsubscribe (laughs) I like that (laughs) (laughs) and I think like that's the thing that we forget we forget that we can unsubscribe Mm. from anything that I think insults our soul. Like there's this quote from Leaves of Grass that has stuck with me forever and ever by Walt Whitman. And it says, re-examine all you have been taught in school, church, or in any book and reject whatever insults your soul. Mm. And I'm like, yes, yes. Like that is it. That is it right there. So that's like (laughs) your example is a perfect, perfect metaphor for that. I just remember, you know, feeling really empty inside, Megan, like, I had all these dreams, I was always following my dreams, but somewhere a few years down the line, I kind of got lost. And it was because I wasn't being true to myself. I was trying to tick the list of what was required of me. And when I went on that journey of just forgiving myself and loving myself, I realized that actually, none of all that stuff matters in the end. All that matters is that I'm following my calling, like, like what I've been given, you know, at the end of the day, like, we've all got a calling haven't we and it's when we ignore it that's when we start to feel like low that's what I found yes and there's something that's really really holy about that Hmm. it's just like I I felt like I went through the depression I went through the low points and it was because my soul was saying hey wake up be you (laughs) yes no I totally get it like there's um I just did a podcast episode um on Monday now I was talking about how we find our purpose by sowing seeds. Mm. And I was, I was talking about this concept of like existential crisis. Like when we're searching for like, 
who are we? Like, who, who am I? And what am I here to do? What is my purpose? And what is the meaning of my life? Like, this is a very big overarching question for so many of us as humans. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have those answers, there's actually a psychological experience called existential depression. Like it can actually Mm -hmm. create depression when we feel like we're not being true to who we are. We don't know who our sense of self is. We don't know what our purpose is. We don't know what we're here to do. It can create a really big void inside of us that is like the perfect breeding ground for us to get depressed or even anxious so I think like your experience is totally right on wow what I kind of thought was back then it was kind of almost linked to like you know you hear the midlife crisis (laughs) yeah yeah well there's the quarter life crisis too right which usually happens like anywhere from like mid 20s to early 30s when we really kind of have gone through our life following the other people's rule book we've checked off a lot of boxes and then we get to the end of the list or kind of close to the end of the list and we're like wait a minute <laughs> this isn't equally happiness like I thought it was supposed to like what's going on here and then you start to realize oh my god like all of these rules this is not this hasn't been the path to happiness all along and now I have to create my own rules and start listening to myself and start trusting my inner guidance system and that will create a total revelation of your life but also make you totally transform the way that you relate to yourself and the relationship you have with your own inner guidance system yeah absolutely yeah wow I think as well I don't know if you you feel this as well but um as women we tend to please a lot we tend to what? We please a lot. So we're people oh, pleasers. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely do. And you know what happens when we're in a pleasing pattern is that we end up stifling our voice and stifling our needs. And what this ends up doing in a relationship is over time, it'll start to build resentment because you don't feel like you're being heard or seen in your relationship. And this is a really, really important piece of having a long, a long, healthy relationship is feeling seen and heard. But in order for us to do that, we actually have to speak up and state our opinions, state our feelings and state our needs and being willing to risk the chance that this might disrupt some things. This might rock the boat a little bit. This might upset somebody. And so when you have a people-pleasing pattern that's kind of ingrained, this can create a lot of anxiety to mm. actually start voicing, like using your voice in a relationship. But it's absolutely necessary for you to get your needs met and for you for love to feel the way that you want it to feel. I love that. That is so true. I just think, I've just this is just things that I've seen over the years. I just feel that women, we... We, I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's from like previous lifetimes, but we we have this thing about people like pleasing others. And I think once, like you said, once you kind of get rid of that and you just trust you and you speak up, like things start to change and you start to feel happier and lighter and freer. Yes, absolutely. I agree. It's so liberating. And what, like, what have your clients said about it? So you know, they start working with you, and what kind of responses have you received? Well, for them, it's, you know, because we tell ourselves stories about what's going to happen if we do ABC, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, what if you just try it? And let's see if that holds up. Like, let's see if that holds true. And so they'll actually start doing things differently. They'll start, you know, maybe timidly asking for something at first, or maybe just kind of trying something out by mentioning something to their partner and their partner's response is not what they thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I was like, isn't that interesting? 
That's interesting because the story you've been telling yourself has actually been the thing that's keeping you stuck versus what is actually real, Mm. what is true in your relationship. And we do this all the time, not just in our relationships, but even, you know, in business, like pursuing our dreams in business. We tell ourselves what will happen if we do X, Y, Z. And so we don't do X, Y, Z. And so what we do is we basically take our opportunity away of having the kind of life or business that we want. Wow. That is, yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like we have to challenge these stories that we tell ourselves. Because we we create these, like, if-then scenarios all the time. Well, if I say this, then they'll say that. Or if I ask for this, they'll say da-da-da. And it's like we never really know how it's going to play out until we do it. Yeah, yes. I, I, yeah, That, that actually took me back to when I was really young. I used to... I wouldn't say something to somebody because I'd be like, oh, well, they're going to just give me this kind of response. And when I took my power back and started to, you know, speak up, what I did notice was that people started to say to me, God, you've changed. And I Uh I remember saying, no, I haven't changed. I'm just starting to be the real me. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Yes. (laughs) And I think it's because people get shocked, don't they? Because it's like you've been somebody in a particular way for so many years. So suddenly when you start to take your power back, people who may have taken advantage of, you know, your generosity or anything will will find that very hard because they know have it they no longer have that control over you. Well, you know what's interesting about this is because you know I tell my clients when they come to me, especially when we're working on a romantic relationship, I tell them very clearly, I'm like, you know, you, we might do this work to save your relationship or we might do this work to end your relationship. Because sometimes we're with the wrong people who can't hold the space for us to be all of who we are. And so the the reality is sometimes when you start using your voice, you start showing up, you start expressing yourself, you start being in a healthier relationship with you, your partner might not be in a healthier relationship with them, but they know how to respond in a healthy way with you. So that's where it's like really helpful to be working like with as a couple because you're working with somebody one-on-one and together. So you can both cultivate a healthier relationship with yourselves and also with the other person as y'all are going through these internal shifts of being your fuller expression in the relationship. Yeah, and I guess it's it's so true that it shouldn't be one person that should be doing all the grafting or the hard work of making that relationship work. It should be both. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess as women, we tend to over... <laughs> well, there, I think there's definitely like a pattern of over-functioning. Hmm. And the more I've done this work, over-functioning is usually related to some need to be in control, which is really related to a fear of being out of control. Hmm. And what's really interesting about this whole control fallacy is that the more we try to be in control, the more out of control we feel. <laughs> <laughs> So when I'm working with a client who definitely is over-functioning, to let them, like to teach them to kind of stand back or to lay back a little bit and to let their spouse do more creates a lot of stress for them. Mm. Because what if they don't do it? And it's out of my control. And I'm like, but if you never give them the opportunity to do anything different, then they never will. And so we kind of like have to get into this vulnerable space of giving somebody the opportunity to be the partner that we want them to be instead of making up our mind about who they are and who they'll always be. Hmm. That is so true. But I guess that does that stem from childhood again, like so how you may have been raised or from like the environment that you've been in. 
growing up? Um, I think to some extent, but honestly, I, I feel like our culture as a whole is very much kind of rooted in this needing to be in control, like even from, from a human perspective, right? Like the mm-hmm. unknown is very unsettling for a lot of us. It yeah. creates a lot of anxiety. And I think that that's more from a biological standpoint than anything else. Mm. So learning how to deal with uncertainty, learning how to make peace with uncertainty, learning how to let go and release and hand over and surrender, like these are the tools that actually give us peace. These are the tools that allow us to actually be in control of our life experience because we start to realize like we don't, we have control over very little. <laughs> like we really, really do. And once you start to realize that and how you're trying to control all these things that are out of your control, it's like, wow, I'm spending a lot of energy here trying to minimize this fear of the unknown, which is total, like, it's like a biological tripwire in our brain. And we have, so it's like our hind brain, like millions and millions and millions of years ago, this is where it's spinning from. And so we have to learn how to counteract that irrational fear Mm. and really kind of implement new, new tools with the wisdom that we have now of, you have to know your limits of your power, right? Mm. Yeah. You get right. Yeah, it's true. When you're, it's all about control, isn't it? And it's, we need to have control of every aspect of our lives. And if we are not feeling in control, we, we, we need, like you said before, like we need to keep on pulling onto it. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I know this cause I lived my life like that for a really long time. I mean, just, I would, what if myself to death, you know, like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And it's like, the what if game is something you can play for forever. Mm. And all it does is it spins you up into anxiety and feeling out of control. So like learning how to, to manage that and how to play the what ifs to my favor was like a total game changer in the way that I experienced my life. But there's the other side of it too. Of like, you can't just stop a, a mindset pattern. Like you have to replace it with something else. Mm. That's the way that the brain works. So for me, I had to really lean into like a spiritual foundation of creating uh, faith and trust that everything was always working out into my favor. And that replaced the the what if game that I love <laughs> to play with myself. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the what if. Yeah, I relate with you with the what if. Oh, I spent most of my life doing that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. The- and it's exhausting. Be, yeah. And the word pre- being present was just like, what? How do you be present at that time? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that was a, such a huge challenge in the beginning, for sure. Yeah. Gosh. But I think once you get over that hurdle, isn't it? It's the first few weeks, isn't it? And then it, it just becomes so natural, like you said, and it becomes, once you surrender as well, it just flows. Oh, man, I wish that's how it would have been like for me. It's been, <laughs> it's been a very consistent because that's that's like my MO, like that's my old pattern. So if I'm not practicing my tools, if I'm not being intentional with the way that I think, yeah. I get sucked back into that what if cloud pretty easily because that's just the way my brain is wired. So I have to be really, really intentional of practicing those tools. And, you know, there's there's definitely like a lot of things that I've let go that has become a new normal for sure. And that has happened over time. And I think consistent practice with a lot of these things of, you know, not playing the what if game and practicing more presence and mindfulness and trust and faith and all of those things and just being more positive um, in general and knowing that things are working out to my favor. A lot of those things that I used to worry about, I just don't anymore. And I've definitely noticed I've chilled out a lot more and I'm more calm and just not as like triggered by a lot of stuff in my life. Hmm. 
But yeah, if I get stressed out, girl, <laughs> the what if game comes on strong and I'm like, what is happening? I do not like feeling this way. And so then I have to go back, practice my tools again. I love that. I love <laughs> I love that you found the tools to help that because it is, you're right, it's so hard if you're stuck in that pattern. But oh, yes. However, having that tool just to, rem- it's almost like a reminder if it does happen, hey, I've got it. Mm-hmm. And it's just that amazing feeling of being balanced and calm again. I think, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think when you really do a lot of practice with this, I mean, you're very aware of when you're back in your old ways mm-hmm. because you're, you don't feel the same way you feel kind of frazzled, you know? And I just, I just don't enjoy feeling that way anymore. So whatever I can do to not feel that way to feel more calm and trusting and everything's working out like that's where I'd much prefer to operate yeah oh can I ask you um about the enoughness revolution podcast yes of course sure so the enoughness revolution started with kind of a spiritual unraveling for me actually um you know I started my coaching practice in January of 2015 And I had some pretty immediate success with it, and that was great, but it also didn't feel as good as I thought it was going to feel, because once I hit one milestone, then there was another one to meet, and then there was another one to meet, and there was another one to meet, and I I kind of realized, like, gosh, like, I feel like I'm just going to be in this hustle mode the whole time, and that doesn't feel good to me. And there was a lot of messages back then about, you know, what success was supposed to look like and how many numbers were supposed to be on your list and how much money you were supposed to be making and all of these other people's ideas of what success was that I wasn't measuring up to yet. And there was a lot of pressure and just consistent feelings of not enough. And so I did something kind of crazy. I, I pretty much quit everything I was doing for four months. And I went and did a lot of inner work around what enoughness was and how you really cultivate enoughness and how I was defining that for myself. And what came out of that work is really redefining what enoughness meant to me and that it had nothing to do with numbers on my list or how much money I was making or how many clients I had. Like I really divorced myself from that way of thinking and realized that enoughness is something that we cultivate when we accept who we are now, Mm. where we are now, knowing that we can still expand into more. And that's, that's what we always will do. That's, that's the journey of our soul is to expand into its fullest expression. So I was really curious, like if other people ever experienced these voices of not enough Mm. and I wanted to go and interview people who, who had success, you know, in my eyes, who, who had made it, whatever made it is in air quotes. (laughs) (laughs) And it just really started with a passion and a curiosity that no matter how much money you made, how much you became, how many letters were behind your name, that the voices of still of not enough were still there. And I wanted to normalize this for people because I think a lot of times when we experience those voices of not enough, we feel like there's something wrong with us. So what ended up happening is season one is almost 75 interviews of just interviewing different women about their journeys with enoughness and how they deal with the not enough that comes up to this day. And it was a really inspiring journey for me to learn and to know that I wasn't alone. And season two kind of went through a different evolution. I became a mom and 
that was a really big life shift for me. I had a really traumatic birth, um, which I talk about on episode 75 of the podcast. But it really shook a lot of things loose for me, and I wanted to show up in a little bit different way on the podcast. So season two is really more tools and solo episodes of mine where I really talk about how we start to create joy in life, work, and love, because that's why we do the enoughness work to begin with. That's what we're really after is how we want to feel when when we feel enough, you know? So that's really the enoughness revolution. Like season two has blown me out of the water. I've been so inspired by the feedback people have given me the content that I've put out there, the conversations that we've had. And it's actually led me to a whole new body of work, which is the wild and holy work that I'm doing now, which is retreats and coaching and all kinds of good stuff. I'm actually going to be starting a new podcast soon called Wild and Holy Radio, which is going to talk about that spiritual foundation of cultivating more trust and faith with yourself and living true to who you are and honoring your soul along the way. And I'm really, really excited about that. Oh, I love that. That, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Do you want to talk more about that? Like what it's going to be about so then people can tune in very soon. Well, it's really a culmination of all of my work up to this point, and it's it's in three parts, really. So we're going to be focusing on spirituality, and mm. I'm kind of taking a little bit of a different turn with this because I want to talk to the spiritual seekers, but I also want to talk to the people who are religious and curious about mm. what else is out there when it comes to God and the universe and, and cultivating a deep belief system. in in your idea of a higher power. Um, I think for me in my life story, you know, I was raised Christian and that never really felt like whole truth to me. Mm -hmm. And it was really scary for me to go and explore other ideas and philosophies related to God or defining God or having a relationship with God, even exploring other religions, for instance, um, was really kind of terrifying because I felt like I was doing something wrong. (laughs) And because that's what religion tells you, you know, it tells you like, this is the only way. And if you stray from this, you're going to hell or something terrible is going to happen to you. And so what I really want to do with this podcast is I, I want to interview people who have really practiced the tool of spiritual discernment of really looking at how they were raised with the values and belief systems they were raised and people who chose that that wasn't their whole truth and that Mm -hmm. they wanted to go and explore and redefine what, who God was to them and their belief system and their values. And this concept of living true to who you are to me is about being wild, being wildly who you are. And there is such a holiness about that. When we do this wild work of living true to ourselves, there's a wholeness that happens. And holy, the root word of holy means whole. Mm. So, you know, this podcast is going to be about spirituality, but there's something else that happens here. Because when we really deepen into our relationship with our sense of self that comes through a spiritual foundation, when we redefine our relationship with our divinity, our worthiness, or with even God. This is really the blueprint for how we relate to everyone else. So there's going to be a relationship component that comes after the spiritual piece. I want to talk about how we stay in healthy relationships with other people because it's such an important piece of being supported in your life so you can go and do big things. You can become your fullest and best self. So there's going to be the relationship piece, and that's going to be followed with how we actually go and do the brave things that we feel called to do in the world. Mm. 
Um, that's yeah. going to be the, the last component of Wild and Holy Radio because I just feel like there's no better way to fully express yourself than doing what you feel you're here to do. Yeah. And that is some holy, holy work. I'm just, I'm so excited <laughs> about this podcast. It's going to be everything. I love it. I'm, I've got goosebumps as we're talking. It's like, wow, I can feel the energy and I can just see that it's going to be such an amazing thing. I'm definitely going to be tuning in because, it, yeah, I agree with everything that you said. Like, wow. Yeah, I was I grew up um, from in a Sikh background, but I went to a Catholic school, so I used to always get confused. Oh, yeah. I'm like, am I supposed to sing? Am I not supposed to sing? I'm really confused. And yeah, I went... <laughs> It was a hilarious growing up and like I'd always been one where I'd gone to like other places like temples and when I'd gone to India I went to a mosque there and stuff. Just always been very you know inquisitive about everything and when I found out like when I went on, went on my journey I found out I'm just more spiritual than anything else. Yes. But it was... Yeah me too and you know what's interesting because it, you know I don't know um, this has been a very long story but you know 2016 was a really big upheaval for me. Because we had a really big election in the U.S. that really kind of brought up a whole lot of issues around patriarchy and misogyny and all these things. And Mm -hmm. the thing that really kind of triggered me was that it was using um, Christianity as a way to really fuel this Mm -hmm. campaign and making these things okay. And that was like, this cannot be the whole truth. And it just brought up a whole lot of stuff from you know, growing up in the church and being in a patriarchal religion and not even realizing it at the time, right? Mm. Of all of the ways I was being told who I needed to be as a woman. And that just never felt right to me. And so (laughs) then I I found um, Glennon Doyle, who wrote Love Warrior, and her memoir busted open all kinds of stuff in me. And she put words to stuff that I had experienced but never really knew, like, how to put words to. And I just started on this new spiritual exploration of actually going back to church with the wisdom that I have now, with the filter that I have now of like, I want to know what this is really about from where I am now in my life. And so I've actually come full circle, which is (laughs) totally crazy. And I'm getting to know who like Jesus was as a spiritual teacher instead of like Jesus Christ as within Christianity and it's it's actually been a really um healing journey so far and I'm I'm excited to share kind of what I what I'm finding and how I'm healing some religious wounds if you will which I'll be talking about on the podcast but yeah I mean this is just such interesting work to me there there's no doubt in my mind that we're all impacted to a pretty large degree by just our culture as a whole, and especially when there's a religion attached to that, there's so many nuances, especially about what it means to be a woman, because a lot of these religions have a patriarchal lean. So it's just, it's fascinating to me. I'm excited to kind of just unravel it a little bit more and find more freedom and redefine some stuff for myself with the wisdom I have now. So it's, it's cool. I love it. I love that. It, yeah. yeah, I think it's great because you're now questioning everything and uh, I think as well like because we go to like the church or the temple or wherever you know you go for religious places we listen to what the priest is saying but we never listen we never take the time out to actually read the book and question it ourselves exactly well and that's how it's set up right it's not set up for us to ask questions it's set up for us to have blind faith and trusting somebody else who's telling us what it says so I mean there's just there's so much good stuff here. I just I'm so <laughs> excited about it. But yeah, I mean, it's you're exactly right. 
like we're taught to just listen to what somebody else is saying. So it actually takes us away from our own intuition. It takes us away from our own wisdom. And so when you start to like reconnect with yourself and build this relationship with yourself, you're coming up against a lot of that resistance Mm. where you were told that it's not like you should look to somebody else for your answers. Yeah. And it's like they're giving their viewpoint of what God looks like when really we've we've all got God within us. And I think we forget that there's God within us and we should trust that intuition and that guidance. And so if we look into the books and read them and, you know, our intuition says this is the interpretation, we should trust that, trust that interpretation over what somebody else may say. Well, you know, what's really funny about this coming back from a, to a relationship standpoint is, you know, when we've been hurt or cheated on, or we've been Mm. wronged, or we feel betrayed or, you know, hurt in any way, what we tend to do is we make something wrong or bad because we do it as a way to protect ourselves. Right. Mm. And this is what happened to me with religion. Oh, it hurt me. I felt it betrayed me. I never felt seen by it. I never felt like I could be my true self with Mm. it. And so I made it wrong or bad. And so what happened with this, like with 2016, is I realized I was still carrying this, that this is wrong or bad. And what I know now is that anytime something's wrong or bad, we haven't truly made peace or forgiven it. Yeah. And when we haven't worked through forgiveness, we still have energy tied up there that can be used in a, in a different way. And there's also more healing and wholeness available to us, right? So yeah. that's why I really wanted to kind of go back to church and really forgive this institution, whatever that means. I mean, I've never done anything like this before. It's new work for me, but really find forgiveness and more healing and wholeness so I can take that energy back and put it somewhere else. I guess it's that, it's, you guess it was a relationship with um, God, no, I think there's a different relationship with God versus the church. Oh, the institution, right, yeah, I see what you mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, which is, it's like a really abstract concept, really. <laughs> like, <laughs> you need to give an institution, like, how do you, and I've never done anything like that before, it's like forgiving a system. I understand, I understand, because I was, I was the same, I, I now go to the temple whenever I feel like it, but when I was growing up, I used to go every Sunday, and it, it wasn't actually about god it was about how people were talking about other people behind their backs in the temple and i didn't like that and i had to i understand i had to kind of forgive that and say i'm actually going to the temple because of i choose to do it and just ignore what everybody else says yeah exactly yeah gosh we are coming towards the um, end of the show i've got questions to ask you um yes my first question is what are your five top tips for someone who is lacking love in their current relationship So my first tip would be learn how to ask for what you need, because a lot of times we fall into this pattern of wanting our partner to be able to just know what we need without us actually voicing it. And it's um, kind of a, a thought pattern called mind reading. Like we want people to read our minds and most of the time it can be really uncomfortable for us to ask for what we need when we're not used to that. So giving yourself permission to need what you need, first of all, <laughs> and then asking for what you need is, is the second piece to that of actually voicing what you need to the other person so they know how to meet you and give you what, what you need, right? That's how you set your partner up to win. Yeah. And that kind of goes into my second tip is to set your partner up to win. <laughs> <laughs> and what I mean by that is if you 
are using terms like always or never. Mm. Like you always do this or you never do that. You're not setting your partner up to win. What you're doing is you're putting them in a corner Mm. and nobody likes to be put in a corner because they don't have any opportunity to be anybody different. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're in this negative pattern over and over and over again, and it does feel like they're always doing something or they're never doing something, I really want you to challenge that for yourself and shift those words to a lot of the times this happens. Most of the time this happens. Sometimes this happens. Okay. This will at least be more accurate language about what's truly going on because nobody always does something or never does something. These, these black and white absolutes don't really exist in human behavior. Mm. Um, the third thing that I would do or recommend is when you're talking about rebuilding trust is to really look at what you're needing to see from your partner. Because when there's a lack of trust, especially when our trust has been broken a lot of times, like a lot of empty promises have been made and not followed through upon and all this, what you need is you need to see follow through. And this is what helps create that dependability for us to actually increase trust in the long run. So what you, what I would recommend doing is getting very clear on the follow through that you need to see from your partner. So you can, it's either a very clear yes or no that they're either doing this or they're not <laughs> for you, to, for you to, to recognize that they're making some progress or putting in some effort to rebuild trust with you. Trust has to be built through action. Mm-hmm. So the fourth thing that I would recommend is using thank you often, yeah. even for the little things, because Again, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast today about needing to feel seen and heard. And a lot of this is about knowing that you're acknowledged and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we can end up taking our partner for granted and we stop saying thank you for the little things that we just expect for them to do. And this is one of the tiny little threads of connection that helps us maintain intimacy, respect, trust, feeling seen, heard, acknowledged in the long run. So just a tiny little acknowledgement tiny little thank you can go a really long way yeah yeah and then the fifth fifth thing I would recommend for someone who is struggling with love is really asking yourself if you're with this person for the right reasons because a lot of times we can enter into relationships at a certain point in our life when we were really needing something or we weren't as whole as we needed to be. And this person completed something for us before we were ready to complete it for ourselves. And we can outgrow certain relationships. Some relationships aren't meant to be forever. Some of them are. And I think working with somebody who has an outside opinion can really give you more perspective on if this relationship is the right fit if both people are willing to do the work to make this feel the way you want it to feel. But if you're really struggling with love, I really recommend that you intervene early instead of later Um, because it's so much easier to repair a relationship in the early stages than it is in the later stages. doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means that you're going to have a lot more hurt, a lot more resentment to dig through to get to the healing phases if you wait and wait and wait and wait. So if this is a relationship that you really care about, you prioritize, you're wondering if it's the right person for you, now's the time to reach out and get some outside perspective and maybe some additional tools to do some healing work, whether that relationship maintains or it needs to end. I think healing work is always going to serve both parties 
um, for having a cordial resolution, whatever that resolution may be. I love those. Those, yeah, they're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Bless you. And I have one more question. (laughs) Yes. What are you most grateful for? (sighs) My immediate thought was my husband. (laughs) Um, He's been such a a safe space for me to really come into my full expression. Just giving me a lot of permission to explore who I am and especially spiritually. So Mm. having that safe container has really been amazing for me. And he cheerleads me, he supports me and, I really just, I feel really loved by him. And that's a, an amazing feeling to to cultivate a really healthy relationship when I've had a lot of unhealthy ones. Yeah. It's it's a reminder of what's possible on a daily basis. So, yeah, Aww. him. <laughs> I love that. Wow. It's been such a pleasure having you in the show, Megan. Thank you so much oh. for just sharing everything in your tips and just being so honest. I think it's just... It's, it's so nice to hear somebody who's, you know, been through it all and is able to share that with others and help them to grow. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is such an awesome conversation. Oh, bless you. I'm definitely going to have you on the show. I'm definitely going to get you on about the new podcast because it just sounds amazing. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, have, I'll take care um, and I'll speak to you soon. Wow, what an amazing interview with Megan. Guys, do check out her website because she is absolutely just beautiful in the work that she does and I definitely feel that she could help you guys in so many ways. Whether it's a relationship issue or it's just relationships with your work colleagues or anything that you're struggling with at the moment. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Don't forget that you can find me on Twitter at IamGerds. That's I-A-M-G-U-R-D-S. You can find me on Facebook at Get Inspired with Gerds, where I bring you lots of inspirational, motivational quotes and tips about life. Now, this week, I want to leave you with this quote. A good relationship is with someone who knows all your insecurities and imperfections and still loves you the same. Take care and I'll see you next week. Bye.